Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Okay, let's get into this. Can you imagine, those of you who know my son, Lockie, can you imagine that earlier this week you'd received the news, Ali, that my son, Lockie, had passed away and at least left this life? Imagine that. Be a pretty devastated place here this morning. And um, he hasn't, by the way. But imagine that. And then imagine, as I'm speaking now, he walked out of those doors, back in the room, resurrected from the grave. Just as a side note, my best mate back in the day, in my early 20s, I went to New Guinea, and he was so, uh, so confronted by how it changed me that he moved there. And he was at a funeral one day when a Christian prayed for the person in the casket and they got out of the grave. That was my best mate. Not some long gone story, just a bloke on you. He's at the funeral. Can you imagine being at the funeral? Well, imagine when Jesus died those next three days. People had given up everything to follow Jesus. This guy was the Messiah. He was the king of kings. He was the one that the Jewish scriptures spoke of hundreds and thousands of years before about the one who would come and save his people. And now Jesus is in the grave and they've given up everything, the followers and his friends and his family. And you can imagine mourning has set in and devastation has broken out and probably a bit of delusionment as well. He was supposed to be the Messiah and now he's just dead like every other rebel that's gone before him. Can you imagine the feeling in the place? And then three days later, pandemonium broke out over uh, the, the Jewish settlement within the Roman kingdom. Pandemonium broke out because eyewitnesses saw him risen. In fact, as many as 500 witnesses saw him risen. Some of them were so convinced of the resurrection of Jesus that they would give their life for that confession. Others would suffer and lose everything, their family, their work, their reputation. They'd lose everything because they'd seen Jesus resurrected and they weren't prepared to deny it. And Jesus is resurrected from the grave and word is breaking out and the eyewitnesses are growing in number and the rumour is spreading and hope begins to rise. Can you imagine it? Just as a side note for all the girls in the building, you know, in that day, they were so wise. So wise. Women's testimony wasn't trusted in a court of law. But God... You know, equality is not something we thought of in the 21st century because we're so brilliant. In the first century of the Roman Empire, against the backdrop of tyranny, God speaks and says, when I raise my son from the grave, I'm going to have two women testify that he's risen. And God steps in. Now, I don't want to do a talk on equality, but I just want you to know that Jesus got there way before we ever did. So back to the story. Pandemonium broke out. As rumours spread that Jesus was risen from the grave, and of course, Jesus rising from the grave, you can break it down however you want. Do you ever have to put your date of birth in on, a, you know, on, a, on, on something you're signing up for? I'm noticing that I scroll back a fair way now to <laughs> find 1971. The world was in black and white. How old can a person be? And so, so 1971... 
But no matter what year you were born in this room today, 71, 91, 2001 or 2011, your birth is deliberately, is actually connected. Its compass is Jesus' life. There has been no one like him before or since. He claimed to rise from the dead. Hundreds of people said he was risen. Thousands of people committed to the faith. Millions and billions of people have done so ever since because Jesus did rise from the grave. And then when it happened, hope began to rise. And hope began to rise amongst the people and it caused hope to rise then and it still does now. And the bottom line is that it creates eternal hope in all who will believe. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. I will go as far to say that this might be the most important statement you ever hear. Listen to it. Jesus said to her, to the woman, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And then he asks her a question. Do you believe? Jesus says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. If you believe in me, I want you to know you're going to die, but you will live. Do you believe? This is a big statement, as big as we'll ever read. And this is a big question, as big as you'll ever be asked. Do you believe that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the grave, and that he is who he says he is? Jesus, the resurrected saviour of the world. Jesus' resurrection is the biggest thing that has ever happened. And your birthday and mine are proof of its centrality to all of human history. It caused hope to rise then, it caused hope to rise out of the lost, and it still does today. And so today I just want to spend a few minutes talking about let hope rise, eternal, right now, contagious hope. So let me pray. Loving, mighty God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for every person in this room and on the link. And Lord, we just pray. Lord, our days could do with hope. But Lord, uh, I pray for hope right now, hope to stir and rise in people's heart, but Lord, also eternal hope. And that from us who believe would come contagious hope in a world that so desperately needs it in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a lot going on in the world, isn't there? Have you noticed? Uh, there's a lot going on in the world. I love drama shows. I love thrillers. I'm not that excited about comedy. Um, but I must admit, the last few years, I'm liking comedy more. And I'm watching less dramas. They're like, that's too depressing. Get rid of that. And the world uh, could do with a dose of hope. And of course, God gives hope to the world. That's what he, he does. And God-given, Bible-grounded hope is hope that actually is expectant and sure. Have you ever hoped and it was kind of wishful? Uh, Lockie, when he was about six or seven, on Easter Saturday night, he and I dragged the mattress out into the lounge room. We'd been watching Hop. And if you've seen, it's based on a true story about the Easter Bunny. And he, uh, we dragged the mattress out into the middle of our house so that we had a view of every direction. And little Lockie, uh, at hourly you know, intervals or thereabouts through the night, he'd be laying down and then he'd just pop up and he'd look around just in case he caught the Easter bunny. And then he'd go back to sleep and then he'd pop up and he'd look around and he'd go back to sleep. And we've been doing that ever since. Lockie last night and pulled the mattress out. Into the... <laughs> Kids, if, if you're hoping in that, that's good. If you, if you, parents, if you're hoping in that, you know that that hope might not go the way that you want it to. And the Bible comes along and it talks about sure hope. It's emphatic. It's like, this is happening. 
this is going down. This will happen. The other week, um, Bella, our eldest daughter, has moved to Sydney. It's a tragedy. Gone to uni. That's a tragedy too. Like, just stay simple. Live with your dad. Hug him every day. All will be good. Anyway, she decides that it's better that she actually learns and gets a career and earns good money and builds a future. And so she heads off to Sydney. Well, after three weeks, Bella and I are meeting at the same event. Oh, I'm coming there as the oldest person in the room. She's coming there as a teen who's meant to be there. And we're meeting at this event. And so I said, sweetie, I'm staying just around the corner from you. She, she said, dad, can you come and pick me up? And I remember going to pick her up after not seeing her for about three weeks. And uh, I expected to be understated. Her friends were nearby. And before I could hug her, she nearly killed me. She hugged me so tight. So I thought, how good is this? I'm like, and we just hugged and hugged and hugged and hugged. And she cried and I cried and we hugged. But you know, driving to that hug, I knew that Bella was going to be there. It was certain hope. I'm driving towards it my enthusiasm rising, like, you know, if you're a parent, you get it. And I'm driving towards my daughter just three minutes away and my heart is just on fire and exploding within me because my hope was sure. There was no doubt of what was coming. And Jesus, God, gives us that kind of hope. There is no doubt. Oh, people can disagree and I understand that and because it does take faith. But if you believe he is coming, this is it. It is done. You can put a full stop on that thing. Jesus will return. Eternity will kick in. You will live forever because Jesus has risen from the grave. And so God fills people with hope and hope is powerful, isn't it? When you think about my daughter, man, I would have driven hours. We have driven hours to see our daughter. When, when there's hope in you, hope helps us persevere and hope is life-giving. Hope shapes and forges and changes the future. Hope, it's a powerful thing. Uh, it helps us survive right now, doesn't it? It helps us in all kinds of ways, does hope. And godly hope is so powerful that it can hold on to a single promise of God when everything else screams, that's not happening. When a woman cannot have a child, they can hold on to the promise of God that says you will be with child. When a person has an illness, one of the reasons I'm standing here today is I watch my grandparents, I watch my granddad pray for a young girl who was a friend of mine, who was 24 hours from death, slaying in a hospital, dying of cancer that they could not fix. And my granddad went in and he prayed for her in Jesus' name. And that hour, the cancer was gone. The x-rays were clear. They weren't partly clear. They weren't in regression. They were gone. It was finished. And her parents in a week or so in front of them became Christians, ended up becoming pastors. The whole family did too. Because why? Because our hope is in a God who does the impossible. Sorry, he does. He makes possible what is impossible with humans. That's what he does. That's who he is. Do I ever doubt that? Yes, I do. Do you ever doubt that? I hope not. But the reality is that it's hope that is sure. It's hope that it's certain. And you know, there's plenty of voices in the world right now that would tell you otherwise. But friend, I'm telling you, take your stand on the Word of God. That's all you need in a time of chaos is to take your stand on the Word of God and watch God turn up. My nana prayed for all of her children and her grandchildren for years. And she had this vision where she was in the rain and she was on her knees praying for me, my brothers, my uncles, aunties, my mother. 
none of them serving Jesus. Do you know, like those first few siblings, they're gone to heaven now, turned to Jesus. And then me, of course, I became her favourite grandchild because I was the first grandchild who returned to Jesus. And she just prayed every day for 20, 30 years, just holding on to hope in her heart that God had placed there. I hugged my great nephews as they came into the building this morning. Now it reaches down generations, this hope that began in her because God had spoken a word to her when there was no other evidence to go with it and she just stood in hope. That's the power of hope when it's grounded in God. And so today as we think about hope, God wants you to have hope. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope, that's who he is, he describes himself that way, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you overflowing with hope. That's what his heart is for you. That's what his heart is for me, that he, the God of hope, would see us overflowing with hope, whatever's going on. Eternal hope, right now hope, contagious hope that other people can catch. So let's talk eternal hope. Let's go big first and then come to the rest in the couple of minutes that we'll have. C.S. Lewis on eternal hope said this, a continual looking forward to the eternal word is not, as some people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do, eternal hope. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you'll find that The Christians who did the most in the present world were just those who thought the most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of not just a few, but the Roman Empire. The great men, the great people who built up the Middle Ages. The English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. All left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. I like it. Aim at heaven. So I wonder what would happen if a group of believers lived with the hope of heaven front and center. And here's my question that goes with it. How, how sure are you today of your eternal hope? Is it? Like Lockie, it's more like Lockie. It's like, mate, I'm just throwing a Hail Mary. I won't try and explain that. Hail Mary out there. I'm hoping I'm right with God. I'm not really sure, but I'm betting everything on it. I'm a good guy. Or, or is it sure hope? Like me seeing Bella. Is it, is it hope like Lockie, just hoping this thing works out and the Easter Bunny's coming? Or is it sure hope? How sure is your eternal hope today? Because... God, the God of hope, wants that locked away in all of our lives. And and the reality is, when I wrap this message, Bron's going to come and pray, and that eternal hope can be locked away today, here, now, forever. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, not even Jesus. And if Jesus has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, and so is my preaching, and so is your faith. If Jesus isn't risen, we're wasting our time. Let's go watch the footy previews and, uh, or not. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not, but, sorry, but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ, they're lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, I hope in Jesus, we are of all people to be most pitied because who knows, the moment you become a Christian, even in a culture like ours, you do become an outsider. Just happens. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, he says, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so Jesus has been raised and then your faith therefore is not futile. In fact, your faith is on sure and certain ground. If And maybe we would say it like this. If Jesus isn't raised from the dead, we are still in our sins and all hope is lost. But to be clear, Jesus has been raised to life. And so our hope is beyond rock solid. I mean, it's done. It is a full stop. In fact, as I was listening to that final song today, I'm thinking to myself, how is every believer on the planet, including me, not radically transformed as we think about this? That God entered his creation that he lived amongst us, that he worked miracles in their presence, that he decided that he in human form would take on the cross for our sins and that three days later that Jesus would be raised by the power of God. How, How does that not transform me in every way as I consider who he is, what he's done in eternity, that he's promised? I'm like, wow, I've still got some work to do and I feel like I'm living for Jesus already. What a story. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 says, For what I receive I pass on to you is of first importance, the highest importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to them. Romans 4, 25, He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Jesus' death, Good Friday. Jesus' resurrection, Easter Sunday, secures eternal hope for all who believe. Our resurrection is coming. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never, never perish, never spoil, never fade. The inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Oh my gosh, how can I not? And so our resurrection is coming. Revelation 20 verse 6, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. And then the scripture we read before, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe? And the question is today, how sure is your eternal hope? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be set free. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And with your mouth, you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can know today. You can know today. And then the final thought I just want to touch on as we wrap here is it's not only eternity, it's today. It's right now hope that God brings, hope that defies all odds, hope that rises out of the ashes, hope that makes no, is miraculous, hope that can see God turn around things that can't be turned around, hope rising because God is able, hope rising even in the midst of the impossible. So where, where's your hope today? Is it in Him? Let's continue to stir hope. And uh, you know, where's your hope slipping? Is it slipping anyway? Just in something, you know, and... Is it slipping? Um, whatever it might be. Has a parent got a child problem? Is your hope slipping? 
Well, let's keep hoping in God. Let's hope in Him. Where's your hope today? Hope in God and, and watch. Where's your hope? Where's it slipping? What does hope look like there where your hope might be slipping? What does it look like today? Let me close with these words, Job. See, the man Job found himself at risk of giving up all hope. His family, all sorts of chaos broke out. His business collapsed. His friends deserted him. All the fair weather friends left him to it. They all abandoned him. And Job writes this. He said, I want it recorded in the midst of chaos. It's hard to grasp. I want these words recorded. He says, either my words were recorded that they were written on a scroll, that they were inscribed with an iron on lead or engraved in rock forever. You know, he wants some indigenous carvings on the inside of the cave that we could look on thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years later. Actually, God, it just looked different. This is what he said. I want written down not to be removed. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, and how my heart yearns within me. Here he is, right in the middle of chaos. His hope is slipping, and he looks, and he says, what does hope need? And he puts his hope in God and lets hope begin to rise in your life and mine, right now in this life. What, what, what do you need to etch as a confession, as a declaration, as a promise that hope the hope of God might begin to rise in you and stir your heart that you could stand on a, just a word that He gives in this moment or the promises that stand eternal in Scripture. What is that? And may you trust in Him and let hope rise in Jesus' name. Amen? All right, amen. Thanks, Brian. Can we thank, can we thank Pastor Daz? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.